0: n-e-t-s-u-i-t-e dot com slash w-t-f all right let's do this how are you what the fuckers what the fuck buddies what the fucking ears what the fuckadelics what's happening I'm Mark Marin. this is my podcast w-t-f welcome to it a big a big blues show today it's almost like a blues concert. But, not, you know, I would not say that uh, Mark Oliver Everett from the Eels is uh, is a blues artist. But I would say that there's a heavy heartedness to it. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you Eels fans say there's a heavy heartedness? Heavy heartness. Heavy heartedness. That's what makes the Eels beautiful. That's what makes the music beautiful. They, there's a new Eels album out It's called The Deconstruction. It's available now, wherever you get your music. I haven't talked to Mark in a while. He's been here before, uh, but he's on the show today. And also, very exciting, Ben Harper and Charlie Musselwhite. Charlie Musselwhite is one of the originals, man. He's one of the original new generation blues guys from Chicago, around back in the late '60s, early '70s. Been going ever since. Ben Harper, you know from his Ben Harperness. He's been around a, a couple of decades now as well, but not as long as Charlie Musselwhite blowing that harp. And uh, they're doing this is the second album they've done together. It's called No Mercy in This Land. Also available wherever you get music. And both of these cats. Both of these acts, like both Mark Oliver Everett and Ben and Charlie, do a tune. Now I got to be—I got to be honest with you. We do post some of these interviews out of order. You know, they don't go in the order of I—I've of when I recorded them. But I will—I will tell you this: Ben Harper and Charlie Musselwhite were the uh, were the last interview in the garage in the old garage you'll be hearing other interviews from that garage but i thought you might want to know that this was the last one i thought it was appropriate uh, and coincidental that a a, that a pair of blues artists did the last blues in the garage and they do play some blues and uh and that was it i got to get this place i got to get the new place up and cranking for the music situation i do like when people play music in front of me mark oliver everett also played a tune that was recorded in the old garage. Some of these are some of the final um, interviews from that garage, though there might be some from a few months back. I, I'm just telling you, if you wanted to point a reference for the end of that situation over there, this is what's going on. And I'll tell you, man, to sit there and ride the faders when uh Charlie Musselwhite's blowing harp, it was one of those situations where, you know, ever just had a guitar, an acoustic guitar. I can just stick a mic in that. But, you know, Charlie and Ben, we didn't know if we were going to be able to do it. And they had, um, they brought in, they came in with two Fender champs. Not old ones, but two little Fender champs. One for the harp and one for uh, for Ben's guitar. Everyone's going to be playing today on the show. So listen, uh, I'm excited to, uh, bring, uh, to bring to you my conversation with uh, Mark Oliver Everett. I always enjoy seeing him. He's a thoughtful and bright young man and he's uh his new album with the eels is called the deconstruction it's available now wherever you get music and this is me talking to mark oliver everett mm-hmm. Is this your? Let's your second or third time? Second. It's only the second time. Mm-hmm. Just it seems like I've already been. You two. seem you seem familiar to me. You're timeless. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. you look well. Yeah. You too. It's been a while since you've been here. I don't remember. I think it went well the last time. I think it went really well. Yeah. People uh, seem to regard it as a. Uh, uh, a good. good good episode. A good uh, uh, Mark E interview. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, the fans are like, "That was good. I learned some things." Yeah, I like, thought I knew everything about you. Yeah, it's like someone finally got under his skin and oh, opened him up. Oh, come on, come on! You did it to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but that was a few years ago, man. Yeah, that was like five or six years ago. I feel sorry. like I've run into you a couple times. Is that what's yeah. happened over the uh, over the years? Well, no. we saw each other at the.
1: Um, we sat next to each other at the Gary Shanley Oh, that's Memorial. right. That was, yeah, that was kind of. What an amazing night that was. That really was. We were in the front rows, you, me, and Tom, Tom Petty. Petty.
0: Yeah. Did you talk to him? At I all? didn't get to talk to him. I've never talked to him here. You know, he looked fragile.
1: Well, I had an experience with him afterwards that was. Um, Is this a good experience? Notable. Yeah, it was a great experience. It was the only time I've ever met him. Uh, we just all happened to walk outside onto the sidewalk after it. he was having a smoke he, he was having a smoke and um, he literally fell off the curb and I caught him in my arms Oh, he was free falling you might say <laughs> yeah and and uh, so I'm holding Tom Petty in my arms which later became very poignant after yeah. he died and you heard about his hip problems I didn't know this at the time yeah. I just thought he was stoned right and uh and he was just so nice. He was like, hey, you know, <laughs> I've been listening to you for a long time. And I was like, wow, that means a lot F- from you, Tom Petty. I don't yeah. know I call him Tom Petty. <laughs> yeah. And we just like sat out there and shot the shit for a while. It was great.
0: Yeah. He seemed like a pretty sweet spirited guy. Super sweet from what I could tell. And he's been listening to you for a long time. That's what he said, you know, to my face. Did I how did did he know you did was that the moment of introduction? That of, was the only when, time I'd ever met him. When you fell you told him who you were and he went, "Oh, I know you kind of deal." Well, he I didn't say who I was because I had played a song during the Oh, the that's Mort right. Office. I remember. That was great. Thanks. Thanks. That's right. Yeah. You did you were up there with the sadness. I was up there with this I brought the sadness. Elevating the sadness. What tune
1: did you do? I did It's a motherfucker.
0: Yeah, oh, that's right. Yeah.
1: What and remember like warren Beatty and annette benning were right behind behind like it was the closest i'll ever get to sitting at the oscars you know yeah it was crazy but that was such a beautiful night like like that was like one of the best nights i think i've ever had like
0: it was just a full experience it really was and i you know like i didn't know gary that well i had interviewed him but to to sort of feel the the kind of the his whole person come together through other people's eyes like that you know sadly at a memorial yeah. but it was you know the you know really kind of registering the impact he had on other people was phenomenal
1: it was like everything you want you know laughter tears yeah and and hopefulness and it was just amazing
0: yeah i i i it, it was it was it was genuinely um life-changing for me to tell you the yeah truth. me too and it, like i really identify
1: with the whole gary thing and like i I feel like i've been on a a similar quest my version of it you know did you know him like in what which, i never which... knew him i've been in the same room with him several times but i never actually had the nerve to talk to him which quest the spiritual well, one well not the spiritual one so much but sort of you know like yeah um the the self-improvement quest Ugh. you know
0: <laughs> sore spot <laughs> i just don't know man you know because like I I I know about it, and I and I've engaged in it, but to really engage in it, to go full in, you know, that was sort of one of the things about the Shanling story and about that night that kind of blew me away was that there were things that you know he went to as far as you can go to 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 sort of get spiritual and get self improvement, right. and there were some areas of his life that I don't feel you know from in retrospect and how it was you know, being presented by his peers that that he he had much success in fixing them.
1: Well, I think, you know, I there's a a clip that I just saw recently that might be from the Doc the, the Judge yeah. doc I think that I saw a clip of Sarah Silverman saying you know, it wasn't that Gary was so Zen, it was that he was so need in need of being Zen. Yeah. And that's I totally identify with that. It's like guys like him and guys like me who are on those kind of quests It's because we fucking need it. You know, it's not like because we're experts on any of it. We're trying. It's like on this new album, (laughs) way to tie it in. The
0: deconstruction.
1: Yeah. It's like I'm not an expert in any of the songs on this album. If I'm talking to someone in one of these songs, I'm simultaneously talking to myself or maybe I'm only talking to myself and just it's all like notes to self. This is, you know, if you want to live better, try this, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, certainly I've had my experience with that and, and, you know, the need... To, uh, to have some relief is, you know, to surrender at that level, you know, it requires some sort of surrender, right? Yeah, right. And to live in that vulnerability is, uh, you know, you know it, it can be a tall order if you have things to do.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean that's the thing, is like it's work, it's like vigilance like you, and like if you're
0: gonna live on a monastery and all you gotta do right. is your chores, then it's yeah, it's a little, probably a little easier right, right. if you can just deal with the detachment. Right. But if you have to go out there in the world, and especially if your creative process is com- driven by yeah. you know, the the fury of malcontent Right. Or self annihilation or or self judgment. Whatever it is. Self self involvement. Right. You know, what do you how do you shift? Yeah. I mean that's why
1: it's not easy. It's you know, we'd all be like perfect people if we all knew. Well is this a concept album? Well, you know, for a long time I didn't know I was making an album. I I took a what turned into a four year break basically since the last one.
0: Didn't you have a kid or something?
1: I have a kid now, yeah. Yeah. Spoiler. How, <laughs> how old is that kid? He's only about ten months old.
0: Well, how did I know that? I don't know. How do you know that? I don't know, but I felt it. I don't feel. Like, like, I don't feel like you'd be a good babysitter. No, I'd be a fine babysitter. I don't know how great oh, a great. father I'd be in the long run. When can you do it? Uh, I don't know. We'll check check my schedule after this. But that's uh, ten months. Yeah. And okay, so you didn't know you were making this record. I didn't know I was making a record, and I,
1: you know, I was just like, I just needed a break. You know, like if you do too much of one thing in your life for too long it catches up with you i don't yeah. know if you, i don't know if you have any experience with that but sure
0: yeah i do <laughs> yeah you get you, you and, yeah. start
1: to lose your mind yeah well in my case it was work like that's all i paid attention to pretty much for going on 25 years yeah you know yeah like, and it was just an incredibly unbalanced life right and so i got to the point Four years ago, where it just became very clear, like, oh, I need to take a break and start to pay attention yeah. to, to the other side of life. yeah, all, all the other sides of life.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, and, and, and the child makes that a pressing situation.
1: Well, that didn't happen right away. You know, that only sure. happened 10 months
0: ago. I know. But I mean, yeah. like, that's one of those things where it's sort of like, my God, you're forced to be selfless. Right. And, yeah. And and show up for, you know, in a way that, uh, you know, is is... I, I imagine it's somewhat innate, but it's certainly, you know, the good time, the other priorities thing, life, living life becomes very immediate. There is a lot of
1: innate stuff that does happen that, you know, is, is nice that it's just automatic, you know. <laughs> Thank
0: God. Yeah. 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 Thank God you have that in place. Yeah, no. You're like You're know, not a psychopath.
1: Yeah, like you probably think you're not a, a kid person yeah. and all that stuff. And, you know, I was basically like, I'm. that's not in the cards for me at this point, you know, I'm so fucking old. How old are you? I'm I'm like your age. How old you? I'm 54. fifty four. Fifty four. Yeah. And you have yeah. one, and I have one, and I'm just getting started, which is insane because like all my friends are like becoming empty nesters, and they're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, we'll see. finally we're free. I guess we won't be seeing you anymore. <laughs> Don't ruin this for us. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, you do become like when it's yours. Like all the cliches that people say, it's true. It's oh, like, yeah. You become the guy that like I just I'll just like. I'll just sit there and just flip through and play the same videos of him over and over again, and just like you know, and you make strangers look at pictures of your kids. It's just fascinating. It just happens, you know, and and it and it also then you become like a kid person in general. You start to understand other people's kids why they're so great too. And, right, and it's just this thing that happens. You're part of the cult now, the kid cult. I'm part of the cult. Yeah, and I, it's it's quite a pleasant surprise to see that you. You can become that. Now, you know? was this an on purpose kid or no? You... This is this is a surprise kid. Oh, <laughs> and that's good that you like him. We, we made him the old fashioned way by surprise.
0: <laughs> are you with the woman? Or are you with well? The... the other surprise is <laughs> then his
1: his mother uh, has divorced me. Oh, yeah. So <sighs> that was another surprise. That was not something I had in mind. Were you but... wait? So you were married?
0: Yeah, and then you had the kid. Yeah, and then she's out in quick succession wow that's kind of heartbreaking or was it time I, i don't know
3: uh
1: no it's been devastating for me but you know and a lot of what this album is about is like this the i think the key to happiness if there is one yeah is please tell me accepting your reality and just making the decision to be happy with it or as happy with it as you Can be, you know.
0: It is a decision, huh?
1: It's a decision. I mean, that's for people like us. The last song on this album is specifically about that—that there's a place we can all go to within ourselves. That's just a place to where you can make a choice and just say, like, "Well, this is my reality. I'm going to be happy with it, or I'm not going to be happy with it." Right. And that, you know, it's it takes work and it's hard to do. But so, take my situation that's happening right now. It's quite an extreme, unexpected situation for me. Yeah. But I'm able to look at all the good parts about it. You know, it's not how I pictured things turning out. It's particularly wrenching for me after all the tragedies of losing my first father. family early. You know, I was I was the last one standing of your 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 my, father my, and your mother and, and my sister and your sister, yeah. So to then finally get to a point where I have another family yeah. and then have it taken away, is very painful as you can imagine. But there's so many great things about it. You know, my son, Archie, is fucking delightful. I'm yeah. completely in love with him. Yeah. His mom is a great mom. And and like watching them together is inspiring. It's just this amazing love story. And we're able to maintain a friendship. And she lives right down the street. And yeah. It's still, you know, it's got an unconventional family vibe, at least still. Yeah. So again, it's just like not what I pictured. But there's a lot of things to be thankful for and you know I just have to hang on to the good parts of it yeah and it's always that that's really all there is to life I think is it's just always going to be some sort of shit storm it's just a constant motion you just have to get comfortable with the motion. I think when I took this break yeah I naively thought okay all the drama of my life is over (laughs) and now it's going to be calm (laughs) and amazingly I had like one really nice calm year that was just like the happiest i'd ever been yeah because it was everything i wanted yeah and i was and i actually got it and, and like it was, what I, it was just like relaxing for a year oh, and just yeah. doing fun stuff yeah and not worrying about anything you know yeah and it's amazing that it lasted that long and then they just all went out the window and now it's like just crazy onslaughts that couldn't be the more opposite of of that and, yeah. you know, it's just that's what life is. That's what my life is, anyway.
0: Well, it was, I was so close to, I think, in my mind doing that, like, just pulling out and taking the time, and then it didn't happen. Yeah. Like, I was almost going to buy a house in New Mexico, and then I ended up down the street.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. and so,
0: like, because I let people convince me, like, it wasn't time to put myself out to pasture yet.
1: yeah you know no, like there's yeah. still
0: work to be Th- done
1: that's what i thought when i first started this break four years ago for a while i actually felt like i might just be done right i don't know if i'm ever going to get back to it yeah yeah and it, how'd that feel it felt like just necessary at the time like i just hadn't well, you were okay in that I, moment
0: with being I, w- done. I was
1: okay because it was like that thing where life lets uh-huh. you know you need to stop and it was only like i would just give myself the luxury of if i woke up one morning and i was super inspired to write a Song, I'd go and write it and record it, and then it might be like six months before I had that happen again.
0: And then so it, that's why this wasn't a planned record. It wasn't it a planned record. Like it that. slowly turned into a record. Yeah. So that so like in some ways, you know the, it's, it, there was a natural evolution to these these songs. Yeah, I
1: mean, it's very it's it's a great way to make a record if you have that luxury of that much time it, uh-huh. because because it's just song by song. It's very feel. Driven, it's yeah. just just all about
0: like what's this song about, and that's all you're thinking about. And and you, you might have actually been you know doing some sort of you know uh, emotional and spiritual uh, geometry with them, like you know like you were working out without knowing, right yeah. right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like because when you feel the impulse to make some sense right. poetically of something, yeah,
1: and, and it like, often means something other than what you think it means at the time.
0: Yeah. Now the arc of the thing, do you like you know the deconstruction? that song and the title of the record do you, do you like does it all fall under that
1: well I, what i was thinking about there was like you know the personal deconstruction of like how we all spend a lot of our lives yeah. building up these defenses and these walls around ourselves and i was just thinking like well what's on if we tore down those walls and those defenses what's there that we're protecting what, what do we start with
0: About a five-year-old. About a five-year-old tops, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, like like whatever we're protecting was something or someone that was old enough to be hurt somehow in such a way that he was going to hide for this amount of time. Yeah, and it's in my
1: face all the time now with, with my son. You know, you're just like, all you see is this sweetness and innocence and natural joy, and it's just like- Oh, it's heavy, you know. Well, how old were you when you found your dad dead? 18,
0: 19. No, so that was before mm-hmm. that.
1: Yeah, I don't... It's hard for me to pinpoint... What? Like, I'm jealous of people that have, like, a distinct, like, right. incident. That was the day right. that yeah. it all went bad. Yeah, my situation was so weird and complicated, and, you know, basically, I was just sort of... You know, kind of raised by wolves. Yeah, in, in in terms of like like everybody meant well, but they just weren't equipped for the situation. Sure. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. No, I know, I know that feeling. Yeah. But like I I feel that like when I get to the edge of it, and I, I imagine that you you know though when you have a child and you know whatever time you spend alone with that child, you, you know there's 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 no risk of uh, of of vulnerability there for you either i mean the kid's wide open but like you can actually probably let go and connect in a way that's sort of yeah it's transcendent. a transcendent
1: it's a yeah exactly it really is it's a great like reminder and, and way to see it in your daily life like yeah you can just be open and
0: like uh, my question is what do we think we're what do we think is going to happen you know what what can't we handle you know if we're open do you know what I mean?
1: Like, right. What, That's what I'm asking in the song, I guess. Is yeah. It's like what you know. Yeah, yeah. Why are we like this? Is all bullshit, you know? But we're just like so so invested in it for so long.
0: But we're grown people. I know, and we're just like trying to protect our five year old selves. Yeah. It's idiotic. Yeah, it is. And then like, but you know, the other part that I've noticed, I've talked about a little bit, is that you know, all the other parts of the five year old, the 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 sort of hypersensitivity and the anger. Yeah, all operates at the same emotional tenor, and it's just not appealing coming out of a fifty-four-year-old. No, it's not. It's embarrassing. <laughs> We're fucking. It,
1: it is embarrassing, man. Children. Right. If there's any like one sentence I could distill, what if there's one message of this whole album, it would be try to be more Mister Rogers and less Donald Trump. Mm. Yeah, you know, that's that's the thing. Like. That's the five-year-old thing we all lost. Yeah, and that's and at its worst,
0: with all the defenses, it turns into Donald Trump. Right, just uh, just complete no uh, self-awareness, no shame, no no empathy, uh, no empathy, very little conscience. Yeah, a completely self-serving. Yeah, America spoken like a true loser. Yeah, but uh, no, I I agree with you. Well, I'm glad. I well, did you find? It seems to me that you you lucked out with the kid, because maybe after writing all these songs, then the kid comes, you're like, all right, well, this is the shortcut.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, if if it was just an album like, you know, John Lennon's Double Fantasy, and it's like, ooh, uh, you know, I'm married, and uh, Domestic Bliss is the answer to everything, I think it's much more of a meaningful affair, this situation, because it's like, it really is about, like, rolling with the punches, and life is... Well, another John Lennon quote: "Like life is uh, what happens to you while you're busy making other plans." Oh yeah, you know? is that him? Yeah, that was on that album actually. So oh, yeah. <laughs> I just sort of went against my own theory there. But... <laughs> <laughs> Do you love
0: John Lennon? No, he was a hack. Of course, I love John Lennon. <laughs> yeah, he was the greatest. Well, you want to play a song? Sure. Are you prepared to play on that little guitar, that that dinky guitar? I better. I'm going acoustic because
1: of the last time I went, I was here. I went electric, and the fans were outraged. Were they outraged? It was like Dylan at Newport. No, nobody cares. Uh, keep keep in mind. Yeah. Keep in mind, I'm quite rusty.
3: Uh
1: uh-huh. I haven't done this for four years, and you haven't played a guitar. I have, Well, no, I mean I did in the studio some, but I I haven't performed. Like, well, also, this, yeah. This will. This is the first live performance of any song from this album exciting is that exclusive enough for you mark maron yeah you want to do it all right all right i'm gonna this make... might take me a few tries all right i'm gonna i'll be on the mixer i'm gonna try to do this in one take but i can't promise i'm gonna make it we can
0: do more okay. I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna ride the uh faders you ride the faders all right here we go
3: Today is the day that I chuck Everything I thought out the door Today is the day I ask myself What the hell was I living for? That's right Today is the day it starts right here Don't got a thing to worry about now Today is the day it starts right here I thought about it and it's kind of strange Everything that I tried so hard I thought about it And I gotta say I had it wrong right from the start That's right Today is the day it starts right here Don't got a thing to worry about now Today is the day it starts right here Come on, man, don't you? Everything that I thought that I believed Oh baby, was all so clear to me But now I know that I was wrong It's gone, it's gone, 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 gone. It's alright now Today is the day that you see There's a man who will always change Who knew? Only things to count on. Life is quick and life is strange. That's right. Today is the day it starts right. Don't got a thing to worry about now. Today is the day it starts right. Come on, man, don't you worry now. I don't know if you'll come along. I just wanted to sing my song about you.
0: Nailed it. Was that all right? Yeah, man. All right.
1: Fuck it. One take. One take. Focus. One take. One take. Every four years. That's all
0: I gotta do now. The focus, man. Whoo, it was intense. You, you got it. All right. Well, congrats on the new record. And it was great seeing you, and uh, congratulations on the child, and uh, uh, I'm glad that uh, even though it's difficult, uh, the, the family situation is working. So far, so good. All right, man. Talk, Thanks for having me. Yeah, talk good to, to, to see you again you. soon. That sounded good, huh? The old garage. That's what the old garage sounded like, playing music in it. Again, the new eels album is called The Deconstruction. It's available now. Okay? And if you want to hear my full talk uh with Mark from back in 2013, it's episode 371 and you can get that with subscriptions to Stitcher Premium or howl.fm. Dig it. Now we're going to like now we're going to go, we're going to travel into the real blues. You know, Ben Ben Harper has been playing some uh, pretty sweet uh Folk and blues and, and singer songwriter stuff for many years. Did a beautiful record with his mother not long ago, and he did another record with Charlie Musselwhite. Charlie Musselwhite, uh, one of the great blues harp players of his generation, that being the second generation, I would think you would call him, uh, the ones that learned at the feet of the Sonny Boy Williamson's, of the Little Walters, you know, of the uh, uh, James Cotton. Yeah, uh, you know, he was there, man. He was in Chicago, and and Ben and uh, and Charlie have done this beautiful record. Uh, and I, you know, it's a, I don't listen to a lot of new blues, but this is a beautiful record, beautifully produced. And you'll hear the song at the that they play after after I talk to them. That's uh, the uh, the the uh, title song of this of the of the album. No mercy in this land is the name of the record. You can get that now. But you know it was interesting when Ben, because Ben's got a lot of history uh, himself, and uh, but but Charlie still has all the old blues history. So there were stories coming out that clearly Ben hadn't heard. So me and Ben are just sitting listening to the to the old blues, you know, the the blues veteran laying down some old stories from the old times, and that was great. That was great. It was a real treat. And again, this was the last conversation and music played, as far as a guest goes. In the old garage. So this is me talking to uh, Ben Harper and Charlie Musselwhite. Let's break down a little bit. It sometimes with two cats, I you know, it, it, like I'll I'll probably single one of you out for a while, and then you uh, come back uh, back and forth. I had to I had Taj Mahal and Moe in here, and uh, Kev didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> It, and it, it wasn't his fault.
3: Was gonna... <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of listening and learning. That was the story. There, class
4: is in session for sure, time. For permanently. Yeah,
0: always. And <laughs> yeah. I and I knew this has got to be the way it's always going. But let's let's start with uh, go, going all the way back because I, uh, you know, I was thinking that Charlie, because of your the length of your career, now you're still alive, thank God. That uh, it, it seems that you were able to. To not only see the development and the birth of rock and roll, but you were also uh, you really sort of firsthand were able to see the electrifying of blues music. like you were there.
2: Well, pretty much.
0: <laughs> Where did you start out? Where were you born?
2: I was born in Mississippi and I was raised up in Memphis and uh, Memphis. Memphis was full of music back then. Yeah, it seemed the same today, but uh, you mentioned seeing rock and roll beginning. It's interesting that Johnny and Dorsey Burnett lived across the street from me. No shit. And I used to hang out over at their house. And Jimmy Griffin, who had a band called Bread, lived next door. And all yeah. of us would just kind of hang out. And Did you play together a lot? Uh, well, it, I remember they let me go whoosh, whoosh, on the steel guitar <laughs> Oh <they yeah>. had. <laughs> because you were a kid? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. They were... I remember one day I was over there, They had their eyes were real red. And I went home yeah. to my mother and I said, them boys across the street, their eyes are all red. And my mom said, well, I guess <laughs> they've been doing a little drinking. <laughs>
4: <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: a little bit, a few days' worth. Turn, yeah. Were you born home, hospital? I, what, I was born, born in a hospital in Kosciuszko, Mississippi. And, Mississippi.
0: and how long did you live there?
2: Three years, and I continued to spend my summers there. Oh, really? And so you've just got, down the road from Memphis.
0: And was, but you still have a connection to it.
2: I have a home in Clarksdale, Mississippi. Yeah, and Sonoma County.
0: When did you start playing harmonica?
2: Oh, well, it was a common toy. It seemed like yeah. everybody had a harmonica, and I just kind of toot around on it like a little kid mm-hmm. and just making up stuff. Yeah. So when I was about thirteen, I'd been listening to blues and collect, going around Memphis looking for old blues records and. It occurred to me how much I loved the way the original Sonny Boy played harmonica. And the other first Sunny Boy. Yeah, and other people, too. And I got to thinking, uh, well, you have a harmonica. Right. It's, it feels so good. Listen to them guys. Why don't you take it and teach yourself? So I went out in the woods and just kept messing with it. Since I was already familiar with it yeah. a little bit, it kind of came pretty easy. Really? It just seemed logical.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, like, talking about this period, Ben, like, you know, you grew up around this music? I did. And, and, and but it, you, you were like a kid. I mean, yeah. what are you, a little, little younger than me? I'm 54, yeah. where are I'm you? I'm 48.
4: You're 48? Yeah. And you grew up here? I grew up in, in Claremont, California, Yeah, which is in between here and Joshua Tree. Yeah, and... What was that? What was the You're background? Because I did a little a
0: little research, but it, it sounds like you know you've got a. It's just, it's interesting that both of you because I just saw that documentary Rumble. Did you see it? No. Mm-mm. There's a there's a documentary called Rumble on Amazon, and it's about the influence of American Indians in rock and roll, and uh-huh. they go back to uh, Charlie Patton, like they literally they Link Ray and Charlie Patton. They go back to Charlie Patton who whose grandmother. Was a was an Indian, and and they and they had modern Indian singers, women who were who actually did traditional music, were able to track some of the melodies in 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 Charlie Patton recordings that were were actually indigenous people melodies. There you go. Did you do you have any sense of that? I mean, because you both have Indian in India, you, right?
2: That's what they tell me. Yeah, same. I got to do
4: one of the genetic. I got to get. I got to get to the bottom of that. So you don't
2: know. For, I, I mean, you, it's, you,
4: it's rumored, right. I gotta, But I have to do. You know, ancestry.com. Yeah, me too. I'm. Yeah. Gonna, I know. I'm, I
0: know. It's all going to come back. Jew. But uh, I'm curious <laughs> which part. I'm of I'm there that. too. Are you too? Yeah. Good,
2: good. I got like nine nationalities. I'm a real American <laughs> mutt.
4: But it does play into everything from your attitude, your personality, to your sense of humor, to your creative output, doesn't it? I mean, whether I think you like, so. whether you wanted to or not, you just can't escape. Well, Genetics. Well, it just sounds to me
0: like it, that you know. Well, I mean, tell me about the your your dad and mom weren't together. No, not from a young age. By the time I was six; they were done. And your dad was uh, he had he was the one with the supposedly like had some Indian in him. Yeah, and your mom was Jewish. My mom's Jewish. My dad's black with yeah. with some Indian back there. And and wh- where'd you? Wh- what was the environment? Because it seems like you, the musical environment was very defined. It, you, your it,
4: grandparents? It was rich. Yeah. In in music from all over the world. Well, wh- and where was it? Tell me about the, the place. My family's had a music store yeah. called the Claremont Folk Music Center. It's also a certified museum. Yeah. And it's been here since 1958. We're celebrating 60 years this year of family-owned five generations still there tuesday through sunday it's still there still there man you we should take a drive out there we would jay and i jay albert our mutual friend we grew up neighbor to neighbor wall you know our one wall separated his house and mine oh really yeah and that's how you know john that's how i know john so tell me about this store though because
0: it it was so since 1958 you You have to see it to believe it man i but like (laughs) it it doesn't sound like it sounds a little bit like the place on Bleecker street you know, like in New York, where Dylan and all those people hung out during. It's the,
4: as if, it, if Bleecker and Hate Ashbury had had Woody Guthrie and Joan Baez child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So it was just filled with stuff. And Ravi Shankar was the godfather of both of them, or something. You got some babies. of that. You got some of that. Oh uh, man! I mean, so they deal with folk music from around the world. Around it was it was world. It my family's music store is the reason america calls world music world music it didn't used to be world music it was just music from around, from around the world right right and so they integrated it intellectually and and commercially they were like the they first, made it that's available right. that's right the thinking around that's it that's right and if you throw on top of that a, a love of uh, a literary passion and love by my grandparents and and my mom yeah that's that's, that's it. the environment so you got all of it yeah you got the, the, the literary like poetry and that's, you got folk music yeah and you get a <laughs> you get a, a youthful teenage hip-hop rebellious kid in me yeah then mash it all together no kidding so
0: like did they do they do live performances there and stuff yeah we
4: still have the best open mic within a hundred miles north south east west in la uh last sunday of every month and this is in pomona claremont claremont yep one town due north well who used to like like who'd you see growing up i mean i imagine like it's it's it sounds like a pilgrimage worthy place did people come and i looked up one time my grandfather uh he was in world war ii lost an ear Lot didn't lose an ear, pardon me, not Van Gogh yeah. style, but lost his hearing in an ear. And the ear he could hear out of wasn't great. So when he'd tell you he was going to lean in with his good ear, yeah. it's, it was still <laughs> a struggle. Yeah. But that said, he used to repair, restore instruments and was kind of the patriarch, was the patriarch of the store. Yeah. So I look up, I had come from the back, I used to do a lot of repair work in the yeah. back of the shop. So I look up and there's Leonard Cohen with a pile of, a pile of... Stuff. Yeah. Straight, he had, you know, and my grandfather was getting to the end and was just charging him full price. Right. And I look, I'm like, oh, like, Chris, he, my, my grandfather didn't, he didn't make, didn't play music. Yeah. Didn't listen to a lot of music. But yeah. loved instruments. Right. So right. he didn't, he didn't clock. It was Leonard. Yeah. yeah. So I and you instantly did? said, excuse me, grandpa, let me handle this. Yeah. And I gave, like, I piled this, all what these was, instruments. And in, because I think he was buying stuff for kids. He had, it was like the holiday season. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah family members i piled everything in the bag and like charged him five dollars oh wow I said mr <laughs> that, cohen thank you for a lifetime of incredible music he says oh thank you <laughs> how for your old generosity. were you oh i was in my 20s oh so you, maybe, you knew maybe, maybe, you knew yeah i knew right you away. knew the power so they weren't musicians though your grandparents uh, my grandmother on the other hand was an extraordinary musician she yeah. played dulcimer auto harp guitar banjo sang like a bird wrote songs um, old
2: school yeah. dulcimer yeah, yeah. any yeah. dulcimer in your background charlie only except when I played with Cindy Lauper. Oh, really? She, she said nothing says blues like a mountain dulcimer to me. And I love
4: it. They call it "ain't no notes on a dulcimer." You just play. Yeah, is that true? It's <laughs> <That's> the same. <saying. laughs> it's such a, an odd instrument. All
0: right, so but did you, did you? What was your experience with blues music at that time? Did you have any? Well, the the,
4: the store was centered around American roots music, mm-hmm. right. which is folk right. and blues, right? And And other things, but the point of the store and and my family's passion was folk and blues. And blues was the first music that spoke directly to my spirit and soul. Yeah? To where I just couldn't, I had to get in it. Do you remember which one? Mississippi John Hurt, Baby Right Away. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Really? That's it. I said to my grandma, I said, who are these guys? Yeah. I was about 18. I said to my grandma, who are these guys playing? She said, it's just one guy. I said, no, there's two guitar players. Yeah. Or it's got to be at least two guitar players. My grandmother said No, nope. it's just one. Because he's hitting our player, the high strings, double I, thumb and high string, yeah, picking. And I, I instantly set out.
0: I think he's he's that. Taj's guy too, That's right? right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I had Taj in here going, taking. He took me all the way back to Senegal. Yeah. He picked up that old K guitar to show me where Skip James came from. Yeah. And all of a sudden he's back in Africa yeah. doing those those sad notes that 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 timing that you can sort of hear through Skip. Like I and I was he did it for like 45 seconds and I was like, oh, can you just
4: keep doing that. Could we do could you do that?" <laughs> he knows that shit. From Senegal to the to the Silk Road in China. Yeah. Trip, right? He, yeah, he he can he can lay that out for you. So the blues spoke to you but but you know ultimately like I guess like your early records there's definitely a blues vibe on it but sure yeah, I've bent it around I, yeah, I, yeah. I've yeah I've, I've yeah I've stretched it as far as I could yeah. by the time I've come back to it in full form. Yeah. So Charlie when you're so you're down there you're learning
0: how to play harp you're in uh, you're in Memphis there's a lot going on you know the Burnett guys how how old were you when you started playing with people
2: Oh, well, probably around 16 or 17 or something. Yeah? I I first was real fascinated with the street singers that would see downtown in Memphis and on Beale Street, Uh, but I was too shy to talk to them. But I would follow them around, listen to them, watch them. And in other parts of town, too, there were some street singers. Anyhow... Later on, I got to know, uh, Furry Lewis and Will Shade and Gus Cannon and wow. Memphis Willie B and Earl Bell and all these guys that played. And I just, they were really welcoming to me. They were in, in, flattered that I would seek them out to hear them because they liked their music and yeah. they believed in it. Yeah. Here's a young kid that likes it too. All right. Yeah. So, uh, they, they were glad to have me come around and, and learn from them and, uh, but I didn't know I was preparing myself for a career. I would have paid a lot more attention.
3: I was just having fun. I was just a kid. I wasn't thinking
2: about this is something I was going to do. And you would play with them? Yeah, we would just sit around in their homes and pass a jug around yeah. and just have these spontaneous jam sessions.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I I, I wonder. I guess that happens still. I, yeah. I, don't, I You know, It's just so interesting to me to, to sort of be – uh, you know, a witness of the source of this stuff, the evolution of the music. Because, I mean, you and I came to it later, you know, uh, You know, listening to it, yeah, right? But the, you saw, like, you know, like, I don't know when the, the you know, when, like, Wolf and Muddy and those guys ended up in Chicago, but it couldn't have been much before you, right?
2: Oh, they were maybe 10 years or something ahead of me. But, yeah. And, but these guys I knew in Memphis were yeah. the old-timers compared to right, sure. Muddy and... And wool. They were like folk blues, right? Yeah. Well later on when I knew Big Joe Williams, I'd walk into Pepper's lounge and man, Muddy would act like a little kid, like it was his hero. When, Muddy, when Big Joe had just been a single guy playing a guitar going down the road, as he used to put it. Yeah. With his hat on backwards, he'd say Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when so you so when did
0: you start uh, seeing yourself as a professional blues man, you know, doing you know, making you know, the gigs, making the money?
2: Um well, Still working on that. <laughs> <laughs> but when did you start playing professionally? Uh, it's hard to say. I don't, I don't remember the first time I got paid. Yeah, I like to think that when my first album came out, that gave me a career and put me on the road. Yeah, and that was that, it. That was a big turning point. Another turning point was when Muddy had me come sit in with him, and that, that resulted in me getting gigs around Chicago. So when you moved to Chicago, it was in the 60s?
0: '62 and you started playing like so everything was electric up there right
2: uh, not everything like like i mentioned big joe williams yeah. he would play through an amp or he'd just play solo he was like a folk blues guitar player from from he wrote baby please don't go and it was Yeah yeah. It. yeah and and so what were
0: where were people playing mostly bars
2: yeah and also i mean the university of chicago would have a folk festival oh yeah and uh you would hear they would hire somebody like Big Joe or the Stanley Brothers and, and mix it all up, Barbara Dane and uh-huh. stuff like So, either uh, in coffee houses where they had folk music and occasionally a blues folk player, yeah, or in the the blues clubs that I would go to that most people that didn't live in the neighborhood wouldn't dare go mostly to mostly
0: black clubs, yeah, yeah,
2: or the festivals, yeah, that was, that was it as far as I knew,
0: yeah so like uh and that and and so the first record that didn't come till what 67 so you so you're hanging around who else is around like is is uh um howlin wolf's there yeah and uh and and butterfield's around
2: yeah everybody's only guy i didn't get to see and and he was there but he died before i saw him was elmore james oh man yeah and then i found out later he was staying just around the corner from me (laughs) No with homesick shit. James. Oh, really? <laughs> but Homesick, he liked all the attention on himself, so he never told me that, hey, come by and meet <laughs> Elmore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and how much time did you get to spend with like people like Muddy and and, uh, and Wolf and stuff? Or were Oh, you...
2: lots and lots. I mean, I just, you know, those clubs were uh, real affordable to get into, 50 sure. cents or a buck or something Yeah, at the most. Yeah. And a lot of them were just free. You just went in. Yeah. Uh, so all those years i was in chicago it was i mean you think well who would i want to hear tonight little walter mm, Sonny boy i don't know little <laughs> muddy oh, i saw muddy last night wolf I, I mean chicago was loaded with the blues back then isn't that crazy man I know it's all gone now it's pretty much hubert sumlin yeah hubert i'd see hubert all the time with wolf and he'd hold his guitar like straight up and down, yeah, and just be rocking with it, yeah. And his hand is be flying up and down, yeah. And he'd be looking at it like, What am I doing? <laughs> How do I do it? How do I do this? <laughs> oh. and and rocking and playing. Oh. And then later on, he was more sedate, yeah. Man, when he was young, he was ferocious. It's he's got he's got
0: a very crazy, unique sound. That guy,
2: I couldn't believe I mean, the whole. He, the audience would just be pinned to the wall with this this sound coming off the stage. It was and okay. So let's talk about the harp players. So so like like because you
0: you're probably about the same age as, as Butterfield, right?
2: More or less. I can't. One of us is a, like a year older than the other one. I don't remember.
0: Well, yeah, yeah. And uh, but at that time, the it was Little Walter. The old the old guard was what Little Walter, James
2: Cotton, Sonny Boy, Sonny Boy. And a lot of yeah, good rockin' Charles and big Walter Horton. A lot of obscure harmonica players that people wouldn't recognize. And
0: like the, what made, because like, I guess Little Walter is the first guy to really have a, like a harmonica
2: hit, right? As far as I know, Juke uh, was yeah. like a huge hit.
0: Yeah, yeah. And what was his style? Like, what, what do you, like, how do you, how do you define something? Well, when style? he
2: got to Chicago, he was playing like the first Sonny Boy, real country. Yeah. And that was his big influence. Then in Chicago, he got exposed to a lot of horn players, and uh, he started listening to them. And hmm, I can play that. And started his phrasing started changing and becoming more urban. Oh yeah, yeah, or even jazzy. You know, I mean, he's playing like a he's phrasing like a horn player instead of so like that's a, what it, uh, a guy out out in the country. That's funny
0: how those instruments you know cross pollinate because like even with like you know Chuck Berry's riff, that's uh, what's his name Johnny Johnson. That's a piano yeah. riff, right?
2: I remember seeing Chuck in a club going to see Little Walter. Oh, really? He was at the bar next to me. And I, Man, that guy really looks like couldn't be. What would he be doing in here? And then Little Walter says, oh, "I got a friend, Chuck Berry's," one. and Chuck Berry goes up and just plays some Stone Killer blues. I he bet not no rollover Beethoven.
0: Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I it he could do
4: it. Like oh, that's all those
2: T Bone Walker know? licks. They're all of them. All the licks are T Bone Walker. Real sophisticated. Yeah. Right.
4: Yeah, but but you can also go straight back to Robert Johnson with sure. a lot of those, a lot of those licks too. You can't early you, kind of Delta. You, yeah, you got swell them down a little bit. Yeah.
0: and figure it out. Did you do how many Robert Johnson songs have you recorded?
4: Uh probably a half dozen. Yeah. Oh, yeah, maybe four, four to six. Yeah, yeah. And, and what's your
0: experience in, in 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 sort of going down that well? Well, like,
4: like you know how do you handle they're so, it? They're so complicated right too, but I like to pick them apart and come as close to the original do as you? I can yeah yeah. I used to be a little bit lazier but yeah. nowadays I really like to get them down yeah, really? Reverse engineer <laughs> exactly there's a great local <laughs> player named Fran Bannock yeah and he is a master at it I mean you can sit in front of Fran and learn Robert Johnson he's a great local player used to teach at McCabe's great player yeah. I used yeah. to yeah I used to sit with him and watch him do it really so like yeah. so you've gotten more proficient as time went on with that slide yeah with is yeah like come on in my kitchen and stuff like that just ah. with getting that down and yeah. robert's a great one to pick apart and go note for note till you got it because yeah. i saw you know i talked to john hammond in here not long ago
0: charlie knows john yeah i love john
2: yeah he's a Great guy.
0: He's a really good guy.
2: <laughs> yeah. You know, and- And, and his like, dad, too.
0: You did? Yeah. yeah. Whoa. But what was interesting to me, uh, you know, talking about owning the blues and, and, and going deep with them and making them uh, vital, was I saw him at this weird, like, it was like I was visiting my brother in Tucson, and the Tucson Blues Society or something had him out, and I, it was just by coincidence. And there's like 40 people in the room, and he was there with that National Steel, that Dobro or whatever yeah. it is, and he did Hellhounds. And like I was like I couldn't even Same breathe. Year. I saw John do
4: that at McCabe's. You so did. I, I saw him, Yeah. I get chills just talking about yeah, it. Yeah. No. It. John is scary. John's scary man. Like <laughs> I don't like. Yeah. Where
0: does that come from? Like because he he stops playing. He's like, hey, how you doing? Nice. He's like, <laughs>
4: where's that? Where's the guy that just played that? But where? I say that about a lot. Like you'll hear, hear Adele. Yeah. And you'll hear her in between songs. Like oh yeah, you don't know. It sounds like a library British <laughs> right. librarian. Right. And Then she just digs into the song and pins you to the wall. Taps in. So I don't. Yeah. Yeah. None of us are who we talk we're definitely who we sing <laughs> i guess so it's something changes yeah some shifts
0: yeah there's a, like you, you the whole being shifts it's weird because it happens with music happens with sex you know you kind of go out and then you land you come back and you're like okay i'm back but i was just somewhere else <laughs> right so yeah. Well, in, in talking about that, like I don't know, I guess it's just natural. But when you like when you talk about Robert Johnson, what do you when as a grown person, as somebody you go back to? Because I've I found that with Hendrix too, that you know I keep you know anytime I listen to Hendrix, it's sort of like was that always
4: there? Like, you know, you've, you're you able to experience the music differently as you get older. Like Isn't it, it true? It, sound, it resonates so differently you when you the older you get. I recognize that. What
0: Isn't is that? that? Cra- I don't know what it is. Genius is what it is. It's like, it's the testament of the work of genius. Because like you, you as you get more sophisticated or more emotional uh, or more, more fragile, you know, different things resonate. But I was, I'm surprised at how, you know, how you could really feel Jimmy in, in almost every note. There's a rawness to it that like. It, you know, that, that whatever his virtuosity is, at the core of it is, is completely impulsive and full of feeling. And do you find that when you go, like, when like have you had experiences when you dig into, like, Robert Johnson or any... Yeah,
4: Robert and Jimmy are as close as the hu- you can come in the... Hum- Robert and Jimmy, and by the way, Charlie Musselwhite... Yes, sir. <laughs> ...is as close as you can come to, to hearing... It's as close as you can come to the source. Yeah, yeah. Without... Uh, I mean, like, when Charlie gets done playing a solo... Right. It's like he gets, it's not that he stopped playing the solo, it's that they kicked him out because he was getting too close <laughs> to exposing the sixth sense. <laughs> getting too close. Yeah. You can't, you know, you can't stay there too you long. Well, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll know something we're not supposed to know. <laughs> yeah. Or not. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> he puts you right there and, and, and Jimmy and, and, and Robert, they put you as close as you can get to the source with and, and, and still, and survive it. You yeah. Because right. it is, because they're reaching for something too, too hot to touch and too bright to see. Isn't that, something
2: i remember a, a robert Johnson story that what y'all were saying reminded yeah. me about the, the kind of the mystery and the strangeness of robert johnson yeah and i think it was robert uh, jo- uh johnny shines that told me this because they used to travel together and play together yeah and one day they were in some little town in the south and there was a preacher on a corner and he had a crowd around him, yeah. he was preaching, and Robert walks right up next to him and starts playing like the dirtiest blues he you could think of, <laughs> right. and chased everybody away. And the, <laughs> the preacher said, young man, I don't know why you did what you did, but you're going to have bad luck. And as they're walking away, Johnny says, man, why did you do that? Oh, and he was blind, yeah. the preacher. Why did you do that? He was just a, a blind preacher trying to make a buck, and he yeah. chased everybody away. And Johnson's... Reply was ah.
0: <laughs>
2: that was it. That was it. <laughs> the power. He un- unleashed the well, power. On those I mean, what was that about? But you
4: just heard a story that was one person removed. Yeah, from the real thing, from Robert Johnson. Yeah, yeah. That's what's up. Well, that was his. I guess that was his attitude. Why right? did he do that? Yeah. I don't
2: know. You know, oh, yeah. Satan. It's time to go. You were knocking on my door. I mean, maybe there's more to it than we really know.
0: Sure, man. Yeah, I, yeah, I believe it. Maybe that was the deal he made. Maybe he did. Sell sell the thing. Maybe I, you know, I. It's a great story, and nobody really
4: knows. I guess no. it's at least as good as Jesus.
0: Yeah. Oh, for <laughs> sure. sure. No, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Well, that was, that was the thing about that was what I, wa- I wanted to get at was I think that in this record and, and also the last record you guys did, like I think you guys, you know, you, you tap into it. You know, there's something. You know, the songs are beautiful, but you know, I, th- I think that you make it you make it you know vital again you know that the thank music you. thank you you know in order to make the blues vital for a, a younger generation you need a special kind of kid you, you know how do you, how do you get those kids in there do you know do you ever think about that
4: i think about it on the opposite side of it when yeah. i look out in the crowd and yeah. see these kids seeing yeah. charlie yeah yeah man yeah. we played irving plaza right it was kind of our coming out it yeah. was our first gig that yeah. we played together. When was this? This was must have been two thousand what thirteen Charlie? Yeah. When around the time Get yeah. Up came out? Yeah, for Get Up. Yeah, for Get Up for our first record, and we played Irving Plaza. We didn't want to overshoot. We yeah, didn't, I didn't want to oversell it or try yeah. to you know grandstand with it. We yeah. booked Irving and, yeah. and didn't even know if that would you know just figured, yeah. okay let's sure. go. It sold tight. It was to the rafters. After Charlie's. Solo, yeah. His first solo, people. I got witnesses to yeah, so yeah, this, right. yeah. Mark, so help me God. Yeah. With witnesses, yeah. It was at least a seven and a half minute ovation after no. after the first song. Maybe it was the first song. Maybe it was it was getting close to the end. But yeah. after one of Charlie's solos, yeah, song ended, and people were clapping at the t- at 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 at, <laughs> at, at heated yeah <laughs> rapture. Yeah, we hurting them for sure. Charlie. Yeah, and do they you remember stop that? And I would come to the mic and I, I'd say, and they just like, no, we're not yeah. ready to stop. <clears throat> kept going, <laughs> kept going. Finally, after yeah. five, six, seven minutes, yeah, stepped in and, and, and we and, and we just didn't even know what to do. Yeah. And it was all for <laughs> because they were those kids, yeah. seeing Charlie for the first time, right? And it was they would never seen any of the it real just, f- shit. It just they just, got hit. No expletives necessary. Hit and. It was as if they were seeing something that I don't I can't explain it man. Yeah, it yeah. was supernatural though. It yeah. was crazy. No, I, I, I believe did, it. I saw those faces going okay. Yeah, like where did that come yeah, from? Like authentic I, stuff. I have never felt I don't know what this is. What am I feeling? What the hell am I seeing? Well that's know? great
2: man. Yeah it was help. So you, am I am I exaggerating? I always felt like properly exposed anybody would love blues. Sure, I mean, and all those people—they might have heard. or had some preconceived idea of blues, but when they got hit with it, it was like, "Good God, God. where's where's this been? I never heard anything like that. I thought blues <laughs> yeah. was supposed to make you sad. I'm feeling right. like jumping up and down and right. being happy. Yeah, which is it was the it blues was will do. It, and, and who do you think like? like in in that gen
0: like it's weird because you know you hear a, a lot about you know that like the the popularization of the blues by the British guys who took to it first before it really got you know uh, kind of turned out here but who do you think were the guys that when you saw it really started to just rock out the blues was it just muddy and wolf and those guys?
2: well, I heard a lot of stories about kids would say yeah, I went away to college and my roommate had a rolling stones album and we noticed some of the tunes were by some guy named muddy waters and right and then we discovered muddy waters and i heard variations yeah. of that story over and over i still hear that story yeah and i i guess it's pretty common so the there's a lot of credit to be given to those english groups that were doing american blues brought manfred attention. mann was another one. Oh, really yeah brought was, attention to it paul jones is the harp player in that Band and uh, they were doing straight-ahead blues. and They were good. Yeah.
0: So now both of you guys have done like Grammy Award-winning records with the Blind Boys of Alabama.
2: Yeah, I, I was on one. Then yeah. you were yeah. on one. Yeah, one. yeah. Maybe more made than. a full length with
0: them. Yeah, right. and, Yeah, and that was you and them. Yeah, and you played along with them, or yeah, you just on, on a whole I, record.
2: I toured. With, I sang with t- with them too.
0: What's the history of those guys? How did you guys come in contact, get in touch with those guys?
2: Kevin Morrow was okay. their manager, and he was my manager. Oh,
0: oh, that helps. Yeah,
2: <laughs> but I'd been a fan of theirs for a long time. I, I had forty fives and albums of theirs, and love a lot of their tunes. Still listen to them.
0: And they've been around a long time. Oh yeah. And they, it, how many of the originals are still there?
2: Uh, yeah. I don't know. I think Clarence clients, is around. He retired. He, he uh, occasionally he will come out and okay. appear with them. Yeah. Um, Aretha um, Carter
4: too. When I worked yeah. with them, there was I was so motivated because I I grew up with their music. Yeah, my family in our in our music they they were on constant rotation. Yeah. as was Charlie. Yeah, and so growing up with their music, having they had covered a song of mine called "I Shall Not Walk Alone." Yeah, and I caught wind of that. Which album is that one from? That one is from I think maybe uh Spirit of the Century. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. And yeah. I should know the song. I, I shouldn't. That's slip okay. on okay. But yeah. it's it's. And they covered it. And it blew you away. It was on Spirit of the Century. Matter of fact, yeah, floored me, and made the connection. We 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 did a show together. Yeah, we, I they I opened up for them. Them for me, something uh-huh. like that. And then the connection was made. They came to me to to produce a record, and I I wrote and produced a record with and for them, and it it did it did what it was supposed to do. Yeah, got out there.
0: Yeah. It's 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 it, like that that whole strand of American music, the you know, gospel music and stuff. I like I don't know enough about it, but it, it seems to be a very unique thing, and, and the drive of it seems to be you know fairly essential in, and
4: unto itself. It started the Five Blind Blind Boys of Alabama. Yeah, that was their original name. Yeah, and uh, and there were the Blind Boys in Mississippi. It was a whole man. Once it was proven. That you could actually get out from under, like weaving baskets or making brooms at a blind school or academy, you oh, could is actually hear your happened? voice. Yeah, that's how they got up out of there. Uh huh. They were singing while they were all at an academy, uh, uh Tuske- Tuscaloosa,
2: is it? Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Tuscaloosa yeah. the
4: School of the School for the Blind. Uh huh. And they were there making brooms, production line brooms, and that people were telling them, "You'll never go anywhere else but here." So get comfortable in that seat. And on their breaks, they would sing. And, and they, they sang their way out of making brooms yeah. to the world stage, man. That'll motivate
2: new? you. <laughs> and, I mean, I'm shit. Making
4: brooms, <laughs> and when when by the time we connected, yeah, there were still three original members, yeah. of the five: George Scott,
2: yeah, who was the first
4: guitar player. He used to play guitar for him, right? Right, he was and, their first guitar player. Yeah, yeah, and Jimmy Carter and and Clarence Fountain, yeah, and to be able to the three of them as the core nucleus of the Blind Boys, man. When they would open their mouths to sing, man, you just you, you, you just have to sit and wait for the hair to rest yeah, I
0: remember back I, onto I, your skin. I, man, I, I listened to the hell out of that. And now they, it almost made me find Jesus. They were on a
2: show with all these. <laughs> and, and that's no small feat. No. <laughs> they did a show where it was all gospel groups. Yeah. And they're, most of them were really young. I mean, they've been around a long time. Yeah. And all these groups, are, they're so full of energy, and they're jumping around. They got choreography and And you're sitting there thinking how the blind boy's gonna handle this. Right. And finally it comes time for the blind boys, they walk up and Clarence says, I didn't come here to find Jesus today. And people are like, "What? What? It's like <laughs> blasphemy!" Yeah, because I brought him with me, and the whole place goes nuts. And from that point on, Clarence had him in the palm of his hand. <laughs> I, you know,
0: I start. I was in a. I had a collection of the the Sam Cooke and who, who was he with the Soul Stirrers? Yes, the, yeah. yes, that the, stuff, that,
4: man. Yeah, right. Yeah, just
0: yeah, because when I look at Sam Cooke thing, then I'm like, I got to get these Soul Stirrers records, and it's like.
3: That's oh, yeah, special special, don't music. you leave? Yeah, yeah. Oh man!
0: And just to see how his voice, like, even within that, you know, because I read about, you know, I read some of the book about Sam, how his voice sort of like stood out somehow, in in a way that you can't even describe. No one's ever sounded like that before, right? No, it's nuts. And you, but you do. It seems like you do. Uh, you've done several records with other people. You like working with other people. I do. I love. I love collaborating. And you were the, the record you did with your mother was amazing. Thank you. This amazing record, thank
4: you, like I get choked up thinking about getting along with your mother that well. yeah, it was yeah. <laughs> <I tell you. laughs> It was fun. She had a great time. We had a great time, and she brought half the songs I brought half. We'd been talking about because my moms she stopped making music to raise three boys, yeah. So uh, to be able to bring that back into her life at that level was just a true, true. Privilege.
0: How, how old? How old was she when you did? How old is she now? Or is he, does she not like you Man, talking she'll about? Kick that? my butt! Okay, you know all right. That. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean that 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 song that album. 20, at least twenty years older than me. Uh huh. Of course. There you go. Childhood home. But like what I what what was amazing about hearing her and the songs that you chose is that some of that stuff is real folk stuff. Yeah, for like, sure. Like, and I can hear it. In both of your, you know, the in the in the melodies, okay, and the harmonies, yeah, right. Yeah. It's right there. So it right was there. like it really was like being going home in a way, huh? For sure. And and did,
4: wait, now you brought six, and she brought six. Did you, you mean you wrote them? Are they all? So, yeah, we we brought, We she brought her strongest collection. I brought mine that would suit the material. stuff and, that you wrote. Of stuff that we wrote, all yeah. original material. And the trick you find real quick, yeah, because I had another six. She had another six. We each came with about 10 songs. There's only so many types of songs you can duet right. with your mom and your son. Oh, <laughs> Certain you mean, things just yeah, don't you, pan you, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's as not, good as a song might be. Yeah, the subject matter is not yeah. right. <laughs>
0: yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah.
0: <laughs> but, she, uh, but she harmonized beautifully. Thanks. Yeah. Did, you, did you guys sing together when you were a kid? I
4: mean, yeah. did- that's what we coming up when my mom would be rehearsing for her band yeah so she could really get the part down she'd teach me the harmony i'd be a seven-year-old kid singing a harmony line to a dolly parton or an emmy lou harris song (laughs) oh yeah yeah taking the harmony line and how what are you you got two other brothers two younger brothers and are they in music they both make music they both love to make music and and that's their job they're 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 in the music biz uh not 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 so much right in the way that i am right but, but one of them's wanting to make music you know and doing his thing and yeah
0: now, what what have you found? Because, like, I, I assume that you know separately, you guys have you know, very different fan bases in a way. Now, because you, I mean, you sort of made an impact, I guess, in the late nineties, two thousand, and you built a pretty good career for yourself, being a very thoughtful songwriter. Because I know that I don't know what your relationship with, with Jack Johnson was, but you guys
4: were friends yeah, at some point. Yeah, Jack used to come to shows, and because and, seen... you started him out. He started opening up for me. Yeah, yeah well, kind of I can't his. forgive you for that, but that's okay. <laughs> no, man, Jack is the shit, man. Jack is a badass. Uh, uh, All right, I'm not uh, going to shit in on water. Jack Johnson. No, you cannot, please. Not in my presence. No, he's a sweet guy, sweet music. But what I'm
0: saying is that it was a huge appeal, right? But it didn't necessarily resonate with me. And I, and I think that like listening to your albums, which I have a few of that I've listened to, it was a different vibe, but I think it was a broad appeal, right? You got a pretty good following from that stuff. From your music, your solo stuff, and some of the other stuff.
4: Yeah, man. I mean, listen, it's it's made its way there. You know, I've known when I'm in the valley looking up, and I've known when I'm at a peak looking down, and right. Yep. But how many do you find of the people that have been with you for decades? Do you see them out there? I do. We have a front row crew. Yeah. My band is called the Innocent Criminals. Yeah. And there's a core crew where you start to recognize them, and and we call them front row innocent criminals. Uh-huh. So they're FRIC. We're BHIC. Sure. They're FRIC. Right. Yeah. And yeah. They're, yeah. They're, and I've never. Never wanted to be a WC Fields, I guess. Not not wanting to be a, a member of a club that would let me Groucho. In. Yeah, Groucho. Yeah. Excuse me.
0: <laughs> I think it's Groucho. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Yeah.
4: And I've always subscribed to that. Yeah, uh, I'm too nonconformist to start a fan club. Right. Uh, or insult people with having one. So you. But you, there's you, one that's kind of formed in a very unconventional way. Yeah. Just from being there. Yeah. Like, they're like, We're with you motherfucker. And I'm like, I'm with y'all motherfuckers and like we're we're here. And so we've just it's game on and yeah. they're they're F R I C man. They're, and and it's, do it's they loose. are they coming out for you too? For oh, when you guys you, go out? Man, I could show you an email right now what we've what I've taken to doing. Yeah. See, I don't have a formal fan club, yeah. but it's so informal. Yeah it that it's it's taken on a life of its own and that sure there's email connections and I'm yeah. I'm emailing with and I'm connecting them with my tour manager so we have a we have these sound check parties for the F R I C. Oh nice they get to come to sound checks. Yeah. They're fed if, yeah. We ha- if we have catering, they have catering. Oh nice. Right? So yeah. get sound checks, they get food and they're the first ones let in the door. Oh that's sweet. So it's pretty it's yeah. oh, that's it's, great. it's unorthodox but Yeah and hit. they've probably been with you for decades. They if not two. Yeah, right. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. And what about you, Charlie? How are your fans holding up? ah they're still ha-
2: showing up
0: <laughs> we're still having fun do you still do you know some of them do you know people that have been coming to see you for for 50 years a lot of them years? i know
2: just f- from email or you know i've never i don't know they're even their faces oh yeah you don't but see them. they constantly i was there last night and i love that tune and, and blah 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 and i'll see you next all this stuff and yeah so there's a lot of that kind of stuff that i get when did you move to the bay area 67 in the fall to play at the Fillmore. That was my first gig. Uh, with your band? Yeah. And, and that was uh, And Butterfield and Cream. It was the last. Oh, my God. Yeah. That was must have been crazy. Well, I, I'd never been out of... You know, This is my first time to be, actually be on the road with this new album. Yeah. My first album. And uh, I had no interest in going to California. I didn't even know anything about California. Yeah, I was having so much fun in Chicago, but I thought okay, I'll go out there and play this place they call the Fillmore. Yeah. And, uh, man, I got to California in a, I don't think 10 minutes. Did you, drive, minutes or did you went, drive or fly? I flew out and 10 minutes went by and I knew I wasn't going back to Chicago. Oh, really? This yeah. makes sense. People yeah. are nice and, ooh, look at those pretty girls. Yeah. <laughs> and in the 60s, it must have been crazy. And the whole West Coast had these big, a lot of places to play that uh, way unlike uh, the little joints i was playing in chicago yeah so this was a, a step up
0: well i think I'm yeah sure. i think bill graham did an amazing thing right because like you know he you could do straight blues band and you could do a psychedelic band and you could yeah. have the a soul singer on like oh, it the was, same bill yeah, it, yeah. It, it, i thought it was pretty astounding it was great yeah and every everybody got along pretty good you mean, you mean about, like on a bill Oh
2: yeah everybody was trading uh, it was a, just a big party yeah love and peace i yeah. mean getting high and, i mean it was it was great great Cra- crazy yeah.
4: small fact we were we did the music cares uh, event for bruce springsteen yeah big, and we did um uh, atlantic city me you you myself and natalie Maines, and jason on guitar wasn't that in la it was in la i'm um, just yeah. to say that bruce came up to give his his acceptance speech, yeah, and he was like, "Charlie Musselwhite, I used to open for him in San Francisco." Yeah,
2: was oh, cool. that's right, he was out I there remember. for
4: a couple of years.
2: Yeah, he, I remember playing in a club called the Matrix, and him and Santana opened for me there.
0: But it wasn't the E Street Band; they had another name, right? It was a rock band, no? Or was it? It was it Bruce Springsteen? Oh, I don't remember. Oh, right, him. yeah, 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 yeah. You remember him though, right? As a kid? Yeah I wasn't a kid. He was. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He was. Yeah. <laughs> You knew Mike Bloomfield, too, huh?
2: Real well. He lived a block away from me for a long time, and I was living in the back of a record store. He'd come over, oh, three, four times a week, and we'd just hang out. Which record store? It was called the Old Wells Record Shop on Wells Street in Old Town in Chicago. Didn't Big Joe live there, too? Yeah, and Big Joe Williams lived in the back, too. Really? Isn't that some (laughs) shit? Was that and, and when we we were we were living in the basement of another record store. Which one, Delmark? Yeah, well, it was called the Jazz Record Mart on Grand Avenue at State. And uh, Joe, he I mean, Joe didn't like Bob. I mean, Joe, <laughs> Joe really hated Bob. Bob. I mean, What's his name? Bob Kostler J- Kester Kester. Joe yeah, hit, hit him in the head with the phone because <laughs> Bob thought he had been on the phone too long. <laughs> Anyhow. I got in a fight with Bob, and I remember leaving the store and hearing Bob standing in the doorway hollering, I'll never pay you the money I owe you. So I moved over to this other record store, and when and Joe had been out of town. When he came back and found out what happened, he was real happy. He <laughs> moved in with me. So we were both back there.
4: Now, why was it an obvious go-to to move in? Most people would move into an apartment, right? Yeah, you think well, why? Why, there, why the record, the record store? another record store? Yeah,
2: well, I knew the guy that and and uh, hung out there a lot. And he was a real character. At one time in the '40s or '50s or both, he had the largest black-owned uh, record store on the south side of Chicago. Yeah, and all these jazz guys hung out there, and they all knew him. And now they would come visit him at his little store in, in Old Town. I met a lot of you know Sonny Stitt and. Um, Jackie McLean and Roy Eldridge. I mean, guys like that would just stop in to see Bill. And hang out? Yeah. And Uh, and you listen to a lot of jazz? Oh, yeah, because there were all the clubs right around that little area. All these jazz clubs. I could... Since the doorman knew me, I could go in and see all these. What stuff. was the jazz scene
0: at that point? Was it like hard bop or bebop, or what was going on? What year?
2: Well, you know, you had Roscoe Mitchell and the uh-huh. Chicago Art Ensemble. Oh yeah, yeah. Malachi Favors and Orio and Sonny Stitt and Jackie McLean would play. And gosh, I you're thinking of somebody. that era?
4: Are we talking about like like uh, uh, j- uh, like Lionel Hampton, Toots Tillman's? Uh,
2: Not big, a big band? bands like that. Okay. More like trios or quartets. Okay. Uh, um, did that have an influence on your playing? Well, probably. I mean, I, I was listening to how horn players phrased yeah. for ideas. Yeah. Just like Little Walter did.
0: Yeah. And you get them? You could hear, you could
2: hear them? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it made sense to me. Yeah. It, it was just a natural both step. Read, both read blues. instruments. And yeah, all good jazz players start out playing blues.
0: Yeah, yeah, If they true. come
2: from the classical yeah. into jazz, you can hear... Is stiff, stiff, and right, brittle, right? Yeah, well, if yeah, you come up yeah. the blues, it's got that grease, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: that's right. Yeah. So, um, this now, the record that the new record that I have here, or that the that one we're, we're talking about now, no, no Mercy in This Land, that that song's a heavy song. You're gonna play that song, right? We're gonna try we're to gonna play that today, yeah. If, yeah. Um, what was it? What how long did it take you to put this one together, and what was the process
4: of writing it? The record took five years. Wow! When we walked out the door from Get Up, I said, "Man, I think we might have something here." Yeah. And I, I set to between that between the release of that record and, and this one, set to putting pen to paper.
0: How and, and did you do like? Oh, so you done? But you did the one with your mom in between then. Yeah, and you exactly. did one
4: with your band. Yes, exactly, exactly. But you were working on these together, or all, did, or? all the while I just wouldn't let. Any of the songs that I knew would fit Charlie that I would be writing, I right. just put them away. That one's for Charlie. That's with Charlie. You know, I'd know. Yeah, yeah. Have yeah. a certain thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. So five years, and then you just you, what you'd send them to Charlie. You just said, "I'm done. Come on, Charlie, let's do these." Pretty much,
4: it just it just sort of let the, it just the time opened up. The yeah. songs the material was ready, Yeah. and we were just ready, right, Charlie? It wasn't yeah. a defined thing so much.
2: Yeah, no, we just went in, and we all knew what to do. Yeah, and yeah. It was just the the, the music.
0: Lettuce. Uh uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you put you put out an album in the last. You put up this album in between Get Up That's and about the last one. Three. Right, but this three. is the one you did between the one you did with him and this new one.
2: That's like a you know my own label.
0: Yeah, it's great, man. <laughs> what do you? Oh, you want to show me this guitar? So let's let me try to set up a functioning studio for you guys to play. Um, and uh, the record is out. Well, I'll, I'll do the setup later, but let's just try to get set up.
4: What would be the first thing You'd say to the Lord The last thing you'd dream If you couldn't dream no more Would you please help me Understand is there no mercy in this land? No mercy in this land.
2: Followed the river till the river ran dry. Followed my lover till we said goodbye. Followed you, through soldiers who fight on command. Is there
4: These days I speak in whispers, travel only to and from. Come close, you'll see the red of a well-bitten tongue. The righteous and the wretched, the holy and the damned. Is there no mercy in this land? No mercy in this land.
2: Father left us down here all alone. My poor mother, eyes of stone, with an aching heart.
0: guys
4: for coming. <laughs> Thanks Mark for having us. It's
0: such Thanks an for honor. having us. How great was that? Did you hear that harp? Did you hear that harp just rolling both of them through those little Fender Champs, man, mic'd with the 58s, singing through the SM7s. I did what I could, folks. I did what I could. I loved having them here. I'm off to Europe uh, next week, so I'll be do- I'll be doing dispatches from there broadcasting from the rooms from the rooms of Europe yeah that's true I was just thinking about the timeline London Oslo Stockholm Amsterdam Dublin uh, there are still tickets left for some of those shows go to wtfpod.com/ tour I will be playing guitar in here when I get back uh, please take care of yourself and uh, uh, and I'll wish myself safe travels okay
3: Boomer lives.